Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Greetings, nerds. This is Being a Nerd. I'm your host, Sarah Belmont, and with me, as always, is our Mr. Producer, Will Paul. How are you doing tonight, Will? Doing very well, Sarah, for a Monday evening. How about you? I I don't believe you when you tell me it's Monday. It feels like I just had all this week in one day. (laughs) Totally understand. Totally understand. I I feel like that's been my life for the last last two weeks. It's just, I've just been like a a rolling, just on the go and then finally today i just just stopped i'm like okay i'm taking a day off and just getting my life back in order yeah yeah is this is so terminator dark fate yeah t- um it cost 180 million five million dollars to make and it only made 29 mil domestic yeah read that in forbes yeah <laughs> magazine and only and 124 global so huh. yeah, so um, it, it yeah, it, it's it's a bomb. It, you, you, we can go ahead and declare it as such. Uh, and you know, this was whenever our first, I think, was it San Diego Comic Con or, or earlier this year when I saw the the trailer for it, I was already kind of iffy. And honestly, I haven't watched a Terminator film since Terminator Three, mm-hmm. and so I. I guess there's still a market for it, but clearly not. Uh, and I guess they were hoping to capture lightning in a bottle again by having Linda Hamilton back, but, you know, it, it didn't happen. And so, yeah, yeah. Um, the the maybe, maybe less is more. I mean, when you think about Joker, where it's cl- closing in on a billion versus this monstrosity... CGI bloat that's well, Dark Boat, Fate, or some of these other films. I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, I haven't seen the movie, so I don't know quality-wise, because a lot of people have been liking it, but th- I think the attraction quality, where 
because there's been so many of these Terminator sequels that haven't been up to par yeah. at this point, it's kind of just like the general public is like, we, we've seen it. We, we, we know yeah. it full, full us, full, give us five chances to go and pay you money. The sixth chance. Nope. Nope. nope I already nope. know. Okay. Yeah. 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 And, I, and that's how, that's how I feel about it. I, I like I said, I, I haven't really felt compelled to go see any of the, sequels or prequels or anything with this this franchise because you know the the, the first one perfection to me I, I actually i do like the first one better than t2 even though i think most people like t2 better mm-hmm. but uh but i don't really feel the need to go revisit this in, in the theater i'll maybe catch it on you know netflix or amazon down the road but um but yeah 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 i mean we've we've talked about it for a million times like movies these days tickets and event filmmaking really it's it's hard to do when the competition when you're competing with franchises like the avengers yeah and marvel and that mcu property dcu even has problems i mean some of us are kind of like really batman v superman did that much seriously yeah. mm-hmm. and then you have these weird movies that come out like venom so right, who right. knows i mean yeah. and that's the that's the other part that i like how you added it in here like to also keep in mind yeah domestically it was bomb but even globally like it's not even having a global appeal which some of these lesser quality films and franchises can get away with producing more and more because their global intake is still strong and 124 million globally like jeez it's still really funny to like to yawn at numbers when you add on the word million to them yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> but that's the market. But you're right. Yeah, that's the marketplace we're in. And when you're competing against franchises like the Avengers and Star Wars and uh, and even uh, Sony's Spider Verse with Venom, uh, where it did do well, very well internationally. Mm-hmm. And so it's just it's a real crapshoot. But you know, some things some things capture and and some things don't. Yeah, speaking of capturing, we finally got the announcement that we've all been waiting for since December of last year. Spider-Verse is getting a sequel, and of course, it's not going to be released until April 2022. Yeah, I was was so bummed when I heard that. I'm like, I want it now. I want it now, because that that, that film, I I, I watched it again recently, and and it's still just as amazing now second or third viewing than it is when I, when I saw it in a theater. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I haven't rewatched it, but it is still a gem of a movie that I think everyone at least should experience one time, if not more. And I'm so happy that despite arguably low box office numbers, it's still the quality there. The critic acclaim is there and mm-hmm. the need for it is there to push it, to get a sequel that it deserves that I hope because of, um, every everybody talking about the first one, it gets a better opening and a better showing the second time around. Yeah, it definitely was a sleeper hit. Um, and I, it and word of mouth and 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 it and it showed when when Oscar time rolled around uh, as far as the the awards that it received. So it was it was definitely well received by the audience and as you said by the critics as well. And yep. uh, and and. Looking forward to, and you know, I guess the plus side of it, 
not being until 2022, it really gives them a time to develop a good story and do the work they need to do to, to take it to the next level. Yep. Yep. Um, speaking about sleeping. So Titans, yeah. <laughs> um, I know Will. when I say Gar's log dot, dot, dot boring on the rundown, I literally fell asleep halfway through this, this episode. <laughs> Cause I was so bored. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was. It's funny that we finally get a chance to talk about Titans again, mm-hmm. and it's an episode that, like, the last few I've I've liked. We've had our differences about them, yeah. but there was at least momentum. And then this episode happens, and Dick reveals the truth about Jericho's death to everyone else, and everyone's mad, so they all run away, and it's these isolated adventures. The coolest part was Starfire, of course, as yes, always. Of course. But but this whole other aspect of any time it went to the other characters, I'm like, I could care less. This yeah. is so weird. Yeah, yeah. It. So I know we haven't talked about it here on the show. I know we've 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 shared messages about the other episodes leading up to this one. I, I thought the uh, Deathstroke episode last week in particular was really really good. I really enjoyed it. This one. Yeah, I feel like we are just spinning our wheels this week with with Titans. Thank you. Uh, it uh, it had some it had some moments. Um, definitely, as you said, anytime they they need to just if they're going to do a standalone episode, let's just do a standalone episode with Starfire and the story going on with her sister Blackfire, because that story just jumps off the screen. Uh, every time they focus and, and Starfire just period. Right. Any, anytime they show that character and spend some time with that character, it's she's very electric. And and maybe they're saving this up for season three, possibly. Yep. yep. That's the only thing I can figure at this point. Um, as far as Hawk, Hank, and and, and Dove, Dawn, um, we we left Wyoming for a reason. <laughs> who who remembered Ellis? No I one remembered. I didn't. Ellis. I was like Ellis. I was like, like Ellis. Ellis. It was, it was so weird too because yeah. they just get done doing an awesome rendi- rendition of that song, "Ain't No yeah. Mountain Too High," and yeah. then the next thing I know, they're confronted with their history in the town, and then they um. Hank abandons Dawn, and I'm like, "But you're you just sang that karaoke song. How yeah. dare you?" Yeah, yeah. It just it was just it just it was just bad. It was a bad transition narrative wise because, okay, you you left this town to get away, at, you know, because of Doctor Light and what happened with Ellis and all the bad things that happened, and you go, to, you know, you return to Titan's Tower to get away from the pain in Wyoming. To go to the pain in Titan's Tower, and now you're gonna go back to the pain in in, in Wyoming, which doesn't make any sense to, it, it, at all. It it really doesn't. I mean, it this whole this whole, and and this is what really irritates me. Will is that we saw the setup of the we, the the um, Garth episode where all of the Titans by the end of it are basically pushing Dick into this place of darkness and yep. this need for revenge. Mm-hmm. And and they all want it for themselves. I mean, yep. um, 
what's her face? Uh, Wonder Girl. Yeah. It, it, she, that's the love of her life, uh, who was just taken, shot right away from her. Yep. And, and really, she's going to push, like, tell, tell Dick he was wrong for what he did. Do they yeah. remember? Like, it really, the accountability of the other Titans really irritated me. And, and I feel like the writers also just wrote them off because literally, we see, we see, um, what is her name? What is Wonder Girl's name? Donna Troy. Donna. We see Donna and Raven get into a car. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing we know, Raven freaks out and then abandons Donna in the car. And then we never see them for the rest of the episode. Exactly. <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was so weird. That's so weird. And then we, we flash, we get, we get, we, we get, we go return to Titan Tower and then we get Naked Connor again and standing there with Gar playing it. And, you know, and Gar's log, it was very, uh, you know, I know they were, they were trying to just create a way to give Gar mm-hmm. something to do. And I appreciate the effort, but, and there were some nice moments between Gar and Connor. I like the, you know, the, the video games that they were playing and and whenever they were out out of Titan's Tower, thank good you know, again it was like, you know, how we joked about the Flash where it seems like they just always stayed in Star Labs and never went anywhere. So it was nice to see Gar actually walk in the streets of San Francisco and with Connor and, and, and showing him the world and everything and getting to some of the things that they were talking about with Connor and is do it being created from Superman and Lex Luthor. And yeah, but I think the problem is, is that Gar and Connor they're they're add-ons at this point. Yeah, we create their comic relief and everything, but really after the previous episodes and and really the the introduction to this episode with the Jericho death cause reveal, why didn't we follow Jason? We should, yeah. Why Jason. didn't we follow Deathstroke's daughter? Yeah, like, well, Jason, yeah. Where went would yeah. be more. It would be more. There would be more momentum because they're the ones who who really have played pivotal parts into mm-hmm. this this current narrative of the New Titans. Gar, yeah. Connor, Connor had his moment. He had a freaking full episode. I yep. love Connor. I yeah. think he's great. He is not critical to complete this story. And Gar, the, Gar was screwed over from the moment they paired him up with Raven. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true, it's true. Hey, I, you know, that's a very, I'm glad you brought up about Jason and Rose because they they really are, are the pivotal characters here because obviously, because they, they are the focal point of the foil of the tension this season between Dick and Deathstroke. Mm-hmm. And, and clearly Dick and Deathstroke also made out after dancing together too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of sexual tension there. Yeah, lots, lots, lots of tension, lots of tension. <laughs> there's, but uh, yeah, so you know, well, actually, yeah, there was a lot. Of ten- speaking of sexual tension, there was definitely that between. Uh, Jason and Rose, which I know that was a few episodes back, but again, that was again another reason why they should have focused on them because yes, they there there was a spark there, and 
really seeing how Dick's treachery and also the rest of the Titans in seeking their revenge on Deathstroke for killing uh, Garth. It, it really would have been a it, given Dick's confess, you know, mea culpa that hey, I, I I own this, even though it, all of them share culpability. It would have been. I, I wish they had, and maybe they will in the next episode because it's the way they do things with this show. They they put the logical follow up one or two episodes later. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, what how Jason and and Rose reconcile reconcile that uh, Jason's own reconciliation with Dick, especially given how Bruce sent him there to to, to learn under Dick and and Rose as far as just how she's going to fit in with, with the, this group of people who, um, you know, basically used her brother to, to get to her father. Right. Right. Yeah. I, they, they have to, and maybe the, their whole, the writers are saving that for the next episode to really be the linchpin maybe, but it just, it irritates me. And, and we've all said this before, that this season is better than season one because it's not as disorienting as the first season because they did this bullshit a lot. Um, and this is really one of the episodes this year where I'm like, whoa, 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 really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Where, where, where are we going, guys? I mean, like, come on. You had all this momentum and then it drifted and then there's this conversation between Deathstroke and dick that makes my the way i interpret stakes for this show to go way down with this whole need for forgiveness and i i hate when they do this i hate it when there's a clear vendetta and there's a clear revenge mentality and the super the bad guy suddenly is kind of like i just want you to experience the same pain as i i have and it's just like yeah yeah just kill him (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there's interesting. Actually, it's funny. I was uh, there's interesting theory out there that um, that Jericho actually, since he you know he can project himself into others, actually projecting himself into Slade. Uh, I would buy that. Yeah. Because of how weird the end of that scene is, mm-hmm. and how calm the mom appeared to be. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and uh, when I saw that theory out there, I was like, "Yeah, that makes sense. That that does. It definitely narratively makes sense." And why that's the whole sequence went down the way that it did. Um, and also, it, it was it definitely pushed Dick over the edge into that self destructive tendency that he has. And you know, it, whenever how the episode ended with him. Uh, assaulting the police officers, I guess, to get Bruce to come bail him out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking about self-destructive, um, self-destructive qualities, I guess. Um, yeah. I forget what you said. <laughs> <laughs> Side of people. Uh, Batwoman had an episode, and um, I don't know why this wasn't their Halloween episode. This episode think- was gross and creepy and weird. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it was their Halloween episode, but I know maybe it should have been scheduled in the reverse order. But I guess I guess this is how you know. I guess the way the calendar fell. So 
Yeah, I mean, the the narrative threads, we didn't know about Mouse until last week after after a few conversations. So so I was thinking about that, too. It just it felt like um, yeah. if maybe they had made a few scheduling changes, they could pull it off because this would be a really good mm-hmm. Halloween episode for for this genre. Yeah. And it was it was a different kind of episode because um, Kate was barely in the Batwoman outfit. It yeah. was just a lot of her and Alice. Um, quote-unquote bonding as sisters as we learned from Alice about the events following the crash mm-hmm. um, there was one really good editing choice and transition shot when they were back at the house and Kate is chained up and they transition from um, Alice being chained up mm-hmm. and um, Kate not being able to feel her in the room Um, And leaving to to present day. And I thought, like, it's a rarity where I see those really cool and subtle changes. Um, So I have to shout out, give them a shout out for that. Yeah, yeah, that that was a very, I I noticed that too. And I I liked the way they did that. Uh, And I guess it's it's showing how the show is, is, is maturing as it unfolds this first season. It's not perfect yet. No, no show ever is, especially first season. But uh, considering where we were when we started with the pilot and where the show is now, uh, I, I see the the positive growth there. And and one in, in particular, as I mentioned last week, and I'll say it again this week, uh, it, actually, I think Ruby is finally getting a good handle on Kate, hmm. uh, a better handle on Kate. Um, because she she was out yeah the, the bat costume basically just showed up in the cave mm-hmm. and um it was it was truly an episode where all the actors really had to 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 push the, the, the narrative forward uh in some very you know basic spaces as far as you know in the old house in the diner and in a car <laughs> whatever mm-hmm. And so, and, and also back at Wayne Towers. And so, so I, I, it was good from that standpoint as far as just having the people really having to rely on uh, selling the story, you know, even though the dialogue is still very clunky in places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, oh, yeah. 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 I mean, the, the girlfriend and the father, mm-hmm. um, or ex-girlfriend, um, is her name Sophie? I Sophie, feel like yeah, 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 Sophie. Yeah. Sophie and the dad um, had some really bad dialogue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really bad. They had the worst dialogue in the whole episode. Yeah, if you ask yeah. me. And there was one point where Sophie says something and is trying to act all tough and mean, and I'm just like, mm, that sounds like it was recorded elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was really bad. Yeah, that's definitely ADR going on right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I guess one of the things I'm just I, when I was watching the episode, and of course you can't help but think about the other Arrowverse shows when when you're watching this and how really they're unfolding the whole backstory with Alice. You know, here we're just five episodes in, um, and and wondering. You know, I, I was wondering. I was going to ask you how how do you feel about Instead of this, you know, how we've, we've used to having the slow burn build up to the big reveal. We got the big reveal, like, right out the gate. 
Yeah, yeah. So, so it's funny because when you first bring it up and say you can't help but compare it to the other ones, actually, it got me thinking. When I watch that sh- this show, I don't compare it. I compare Flash and Arrow all day, every day. For some reason, it's just ingrained in my mind to compare those. Supergirl has always been its own thing. And sometimes I will compare when it, like, it reminds me of it, which isn't that often, especially this season, because it's crap. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I I haven't watched this episode this week. Yeah, neither have I. And I'm on the fence. I I feel like our theory that every other season of Supergirl works might be true. Yep, yep. Um, so, So with Batwoman, I actually, I think... I have not really compared it to the other shows, so I don't know if I can fully answer your question. I do think I appreciate that they're not doing flashbacks the same way. This isn't about really making us understand how Kate became who she was, because in a way, by learning how Alice became, we are learning where yeah. Kate comes from. So I think that's that's good and unique. It's also Kate doesn't have power. So there right. it's not about this other event who created all of these meta humans and now somebody right. has to save the day. Yeah. So it's just more about Gotham and understanding Gotham, which is a cool aspect of it that maybe they could delve into more. Mm-hmm. And and I agree with you. It's kind of weird. It's like, hmm. For Arrow, it's classic. For both Arrow and Flash, it's classic to reveal the big twist with the villain mid-season finale. Right, right. But remember, we met Batwoman when she was already Batwoman. Right. So they may be utilizing this first half of the season to build up that character. Yeah. And then whatever happens during Crisis Mm -hmm. sets up a whole nother back end of the season. Yeah, yeah, because... There, where they, the story is now, and it was a little note in this episode this week, uh, it's it's at Elseworlds. Because if you recall during the Elseworlds crossover, there, there was the Arkham uh, Asylum um, breakout. Uh, breakout. And, and that's how we got, that's how Mouse is back with Alice. And that was, this, that's getting us calendar wise up to where we first meet Kate as Batwoman. Okay, okay. Because I was, as soon as they mentioned that, I was immediately thinking to myself, oh, so so we must be there. And I wasn't sure, though. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm glad you've confirmed that because yeah. that makes a lot of sense. So, and like I said, you guys, maybe this is just a subtle way to kind of remind us that this is part of a larger universe. And right now, as we watch Arrow and Flash, we're constantly like, okay. Crisis is going to fix everything or crisis is going to really inform where we've been heading mm-hmm. with Batwoman. It's kind of like we're, we're building this story thread crisis is going to happen. And then we're going to have a whole nother stretch of episodes to get through. So, right. Right. so it's, it's, it's interesting. And I think the way they've set up the season is really because this is part of a larger universe. And, um, I, and also is going to have this massive event happen right in the middle. So how do you really start a show knowing that that's going to impact your first season arc? Right, right. Yeah, and and how they, yeah, I mean, and 
time-wise, okay, if we're up to the Arkham breakouts, so they're going to have to have some kind of time jump to get us to, at least to, to, to in the Batman, Batwoman's world, to get them to Crisis, because, you know, Crisis in that, in, in Batwoman right now, is it's not even a thought. I mean, it's their focus on Alice and the things that are going on in Gotham, so, um, so so they'll they'll have to yeah they'll have to reconcile that like you said and then maybe that'll be the pivot point to another storyline and another villain for the second half of the season. Yep, yep. Um, we always forget these seasons are long and exhausting, and there's so much more to tell. But it, yeah, I think they're on a on the right track, and yeah. I'm. Hopefully, like, the worst thing they could do is even after Crisis, it still all be about Alice. And I'm like, guys, come on. We, yeah. We've had 10 episodes. Let's let's wrap this up. We get yeah. it. They're sisters. Right, right. <laughs> it, I, this can't be a season-long arc. It, it no. just, it's, just, it's just, if it is, they need to send Alice away and do some villain, villain of the week uh, stories because I, I just don't feel that. Yeah, they, they've, they've mined us pretty deeply, especially with the episode this week. Yeah, and that's a good point, too. They haven't tra- fallen into that trap yet of Villain of the Week. I mean, you've had your villains, I guess. Yeah. Um, but they've always managed to find itself back to it being about Alice or right. what Alice is up to. I don't yep. know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So um, speaking about Arrowverse shows, we got confirmation this week that Emily Bet Ricards will appear in the series finale. And um, all is right in the world. So Paul Blackthorn Thorn will also appear. Well, duh, because Laurel is still on the show. Yep. So there's that. They're kind of related. Um, and this is what every series does. It's always the final episode, homage to everything that came before. So, yeah, no surprise. No surprise. No surprise. Nope, nope, nope. It'll just be, it will just be, I guess, how will they integrate uh, Quentin back in? Probably probably be some flashbacks or something like that since he's pretty dead. He's, he's six feet under. He's not coming back. But, you know, they'll figure, they'll do like they did with the, with the season premiere. They'll, they'll probably find a way to... Uh, or or even a second episode with Roy, you know, just figure out a way to make it work. Yep. Sorry, we're dealing with the multiverse uh, yep. right now, so um, yeah. I think that being dead does not rule out a present day Quentin Lance. Just maybe not from this Earth. Yeah, yeah. Just saying. Just saying. Yeah. Just saying. Okay, and now to get into the meat of our podcast. Tonight, we are going to talk the third episode of Watchmen Season 1. Really good episode. Yeah. Really like this episode. I thought it was... I love how they keep doing it. It, it makes me think that they actually listen to our podcast or something, <laughs> Will. Because anytime we say, oh, they're going to do this, um, they don't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> because this episode does not start off with a history lesson. Yeah. No, no, not at all. Not at no, all. No, no. But it, it's a really cool thing because um, I love these kind of episodes where they bookend. Mm-hmm. And and you, you, you see this woman go into a phone booth and then instantly you realize, okay, she's calling Dr. Manhattan just because of how it's designed and everything. And then she just starts telling these jokes. 
they're not funny, but they're intriguing. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and I know, I mean, ever since last night, as expected, there are a million articles right now talking about what the jokes mean. I have not read any of those articles. Will probably has read them five times. Maybe. Um, maybe. (laughs) But, but I did know I was proud of myself that I figured out pretty quickly that this, this, this woman, um, agent Blake is, is a version, I believe, or a former version of Silver Spectra. She's yeah. Number two, number two, um, related. And it's, I, I want to say she's, she's related to the comedian. It's, it's, uh, it's the comedian's daughter. Yeah. And so, so the comedian and Sylvester one uh, had well, at he first, raped. He raped her, but uh, but then apparently, but they did eventually have a consensual affair. Yeah. So, so movies come back to me. Movies come yeah. back to me. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And then, of course, Silver Spectra had her relationship with Doctor Manhattan, yep. and. And but but it's I and also, though, and, also, and also the night owls. Yep, and also of course, and that's as soon as I as soon as they introduced who, I was like I was like oh I get it now yeah. that that was the tipping point yeah because because they did a really cool setup where you after the whole phone setup they go into a bank and at first you're like whoa this lady's a robber and then it's turned on you where she's a part of a vigilante task force Mm -hmm. so again it's kind of like subverting our expectations because well if you're on a task force and you obviously have had bad experience with vigilantes AKA your father, who's a deadbeat, probably was one. So you have a lot of experience. Well, well, she's so much more complex than that. And I just, I love her character and I love everything that they did to build it up. Angela, I, I really love her character, but I like how we kind of took a pause on that narrative yeah. to introduce this foil. And 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 it was it was a great episode. It it, it really was. I, I know I, I know we it, it was a history lesson again, but in this in this episode the opening was a history lesson about this universe. And I love the way what, what an ingenious way to tie the comic book to this alternate uh, ad, this this new adaptation of <laughs> of the story, and because you know that was. And we were wondering when were you know we were, were going to get more people from it and who do we get but one of the original four that actually survives the the squid so uh, dropping on on the city so yeah I I really liked the way they they, they introduced her uh, I, I loved how they uh, used the her, you know, taking out the the shadow, the the knockoff Batman, to as a way to introduce her and the vigilante task force into the into the mix of this story. Uh, how the, the interplay between her and Keen, Senator Keen, who was the original author of, of the Keen Acts, and I mean the son of the senator who did the Keen Acts, who basically put her her team out of business. I mean, it was illegal for her 
to be the hero, mass vigilante back in the day, and now she's the one hunting the vigilantes, and it opened yeah. up the whole whole story. Like, you know, who's who's the hero and who's the vigilante? I mean, it was just just a great construct to to, to really uh, take the story forward that we've been dealing with in this season so far. Well, I mean, what is the difference between a mass cop and a vigilante at this point? And yeah. the ra- reality and the biggest joke of all is there isn't any. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, whether you're a cop or a vigilante, you're still wearing a mask. You're still per- playing hero. And and I, and I guess it boils down to that, that badge and that I am by law obligated to these restrictions. Um, it's my job. And so there's accountability there when a vigilante goes, it's, um, it's, it's different because it's them taking the law into their own own hands. So, so there's a lot of, but I just, I love that because, you know, as we talk about this show, we, we mentioned in the first episode about there being like a cool, a cool premise when you have the Calvary clearly wearing masks themselves facing off against uh cops who are masked and so it blurs that line and i think it just hit the nail on the on the hammer in this episode with everything that unfolded especially as it all drew from this very complex and three-dimensional character definitely definitely And, and also the other thing about the hero villain thing is you know roshak was basically whenever in the original Watchmen, he was seen as a hero because he was trying to prevent a nuclear war. Here in this new, with this new world, and he, his mask is is taken up by by the bad guys, the, the white supremacists, as their as their mask to you know, try to subvert the the red predations and every and their guns being taken and everything else so i mean it was it's it's uh, you know uh, what i really like about the show is it, it it is very complex and it does make you think and 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 not take everything at face value whenever you're presented with these characters Right, especially if you are locked in the pod, which it has been confirmed is basically a racist detector. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate the explanation. And that's another thing that this show does. The way they incorporate exposition. It's not lazy. It's not, um, it is, it feels very natural. It doesn't make me feel like, oh, okay, I can skip this part because I've been watching the whole season. Mm-hmm. So it just feels like natural conversation. And for purposes of the character we're following or the events at hand, we we actually need to explain what the pod is and boil it down to essentially it's a racist detector. So I, I, I really like that. I mean, that's smart writing. Um, f- forget the whole setup with the jokes and everything, but just making sure you're able to explain what is happening, but in a creative way that seems effortless and not just like throwing exposition at you and at you and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, that's everything. That is, that is. And, and how that, how that inter you know, the looking glass is the, the interrogator and how the pod is the interrogation chamber and then having 
Lori basically the, the rules be flipped where she's now interrogating Wade uh, Ward and and not to try to ferret out who the racist is, but who's 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 let's find out more about Angela and her and what her role is as far as the police force. Right, right. And that's really where they they left it, which brings me to one of my favorite shots, not scenes, but shots of the episode is when they're in that cemetery area and um, Angela has finished trying to figure out the hole that was dug to allow the Calvary man to attempt to blow up the funeral service. Mm hmm. And, and they're talking and discussing things, and Angela um, pours out the coffee and then leaves. And then the shot is of her, her goggles, and we still, see, we still see Agent Blank in the frame, but it's through her, the lens of the goggle. Yeah. And that just was so cool. Like, these are the kind of shots... That Mr. Robot season one had that like blew my mind and have been missing for for like the past season and a half. And and this show just keeps on incorporating like that. It's that little thing. Like, of course, we get it. Like she's mad and she has a. they both had a revelation about each other and Mm -hmm. clearly their foils and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, So and Angela exits. That's it. That's all you have to show. But instead, the way they framed Agent Blake was so interesting yeah. and just and just an image you're not used to. Yeah. That does look like it's pulled from the comic books. I just uh, I could not get over that shot. Yeah, I thought about you actually when I saw when it, that. I'm glad you, you you pretty much confirmed what I was thinking that you were probably that you were going to love that that particular shot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I will try to be more original. <laughs> no, no, no. It's just it's not an original. No, no. It's just I, I mean I just I just I I I, I see. When I watch shows, sometimes I will watch them through the lens of Sarah because, like, you know, you, you pick out things that sometimes I, I don't think of. So, uh, and and that's that was one of those moments uh, because it was so expertly shot and and just p- presented that uh, it, it it was so much. There were so many things spoken in that one frame in that scene that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really does open 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 up to so, to so many things that were probably going through Laurie's mind and also Angela's as she was walking out, and especially when you think of when they were having their discussion about about Judd mm-hmm. and what they found in the closet yep. or didn't find in the closet, and the metaphor, like yeah, all of yeah, that, was yeah. just so cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, so. I, 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 that's that scene was uh, there. There, it's it's funny because there. I feel like I should be saying more, but I almost don't want to because I just want people to watch this episode. Like, yeah. okay, if it's not for you, it's not for you. But this episode, if you're into filmmaking, if you're into TV making or production and writing of genre shows. This is a masterclass in it. Yeah, it is. It is. I, I completely, hundred percent agree with you. And, uh, and and also, this is just a really 
well done series. Just every week, it it I have it. It has not failed to deliver, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I will admit, um, I skipped over the fifteen minute segment in England. Um, with uh, <laughs> what's I I just can't I can't I I don't. Yeah. I, I like scroll ahead and like okay, blah, 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 okay skip next scene. I don't and and it's also not doing itself any favors when we, we and we were just talking about this in relation to Titans. When you have momentum with some of the characters to then go off of this um go and tackle this C storyline that that probably is important that that maybe is setting up a greater scream. It just it feels like a distraction and not a part of it. They're doing a bad... I think that as much as I love this episode, and I do think it's like outstanding and it should be analyzed further, I think the one thing I would cut from it would be anything to do with England. Yeah. yeah. And that's I mean, because I'm an American. No. <laughs> <laughs> true. True. I yeah, I, I was distracted by it. Uh, the whole Vate story. I, I know it's interconnected. I know at some point they're going to pull this and Doctor Manhattan together. And but but part of it is like okay, he, it, is this happening contemporaneous to the other things that are going on? Is it is it another flashback or just its own little world where he? Is just basically telling a story for his own amusement, right? Right. Like, like that's that's it too. There, there's. It is so removed. Yeah. That that and they have yet to make a single thread connect a single connection. I mean, there are some name drops. Maybe if I if I actually watch the scene, maybe I would pick up on those. Yeah. Um. And, and allusions to the characters who we know as the Watchmen, but it's still in comparison, like, and it just blows my mind that they're having such a hard time incorporating that arc when when we didn't know about Blake before this episode. And then right. she comes in and it's just like, bam, we're going to we're going to set this up. And I actually feel as if by the end of this episode, not only do I understand Blake, but I understand Angela so much more better. And she just when you think she can't get more complex, I feel like they just added the cherry yeah. on top. And that's why that final scene between the two of them was so just give me more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at the end of it is because this is what a foil does. It is supposed to n- not only present a different perspective, but also really balance out like the complexity of your main character. Yeah, definitely. Yep. You're right. You're right. Yeah. And, and it, yeah, I mean, the only thing I can say in response to uh, the Vate story, especially given um, his, you know, I guess, grand reveal, if you want to call it. I mean, we all knew who he was, uh, or at least who he thinks he is, uh, Asmodeus. But I, the, the, I guess the common threat, the thing that's threaded it all together so far is just the connection to Dr. Manhattan. And... And again, maybe we'll, you know, they only have nine. It's not like other series where they have many, many episodes. Uh, we're, we only have nine. So, mm-hmm. so they're going to, whatever the connection is, I, I feel we will, 
probably get it the next episode or two. Um, well, I just keep on the scene. This episode, honestly, I was I thought we were going to get it, and then they were going to cut because the scene I remember from the trailer is him walking down what appears to be that same street where that phone booth was located mm-hmm. um, that she was calling from, and he stops and picks up a flyer, and you see the blue hand. So, so I was I was ready for it. I was yeah. like, you know, she is spending a long time telling these jokes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, but but see, and and you know, it's it's interesting because um, we had so much fun talking about William and Angela last week. Right. That then to see this week, you would think that we'd be like, oh, this was distracting because Blake's suddenly here, and it's right. just about her. But not only that revelation with Angela, but also William when the very car. I can only yep. assume. Is is could have been dropped right on her, but intentionally yep. missed her, and it was right there. And it's like, yep, all same universe, same story thread. Yep, yep, that, yeah. yep, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and we're lost for words because we're just saying like, yeah, uh huh, yep. <laughs> but the, yeah, but it, but it's it, but it's that's just how well it's it's done, and I'm just like, oh, they have they they bring it back, and, and Will's not there. And it's just connected to Doctor. You know, it's, you know, the, one of the threads that run through this show is, you know, do the gods even care? I mean, because mm-hmm. I, I mean, agree. Else... Sorry, that was weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I like that point. Do the gods even care? So, that's all I have to say. I'm gonna leave it there. I I think I think our listeners should tweet you if they think that the gods do care. Um, and why don't you tell our listeners where they can tweet? Send those tweets to Will. Yeah, you can send them to my uh, Twitter account at Will and Polk. That's W I L L M P O L K. And also, I'll be at North Carolina Comic Con this weekend, so you can just tell me face to face. Yeah, please do. Please stalk him. Um, you can find me at Twitter at SJ Belmont, S-J-B-E-L-M-O-N-T. Please follow our crew on Twitter at Scene and Nerd. Friend us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. But most importantly, rate, subscribe, and comment on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Spotify. Good night, geek out. You're welcome. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.